Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You might recognize today's guest from New Girl. Or Transparent, or Modern Family, or Catastrophe, or Curb Your Enthusiasm, or Saturday Night Live, or dozens of other TV shows and movies. She's been in everything, and she is always fantastic. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and I am so thrilled that Michaela Watkins is my guest on today's show. Michaela and I got on Zoom late last week at the height of the protests against police brutality. And the horrifying reality that people of color are facing right now was weighing heavily on both of our minds. In addition to talking about how celebrities have been addressing this crisis in both good ways and bad, Michaela opened up about the recent loss of her friend, the director Lynn Shelton. Lynn, who died suddenly last month, first directed Michaela on her Hulu show Casual. Then last year, Michaela co-starred with Mark Marin in what ended up being Lynn's final film, Sword of Trust. If you haven't seen that movie, please seek it out. It's phenomenal. We also got into her rocky season as a cast member on SNL and her hilarious performance as a Marsha Clark-inspired prosecutor on the upcoming third season of Search Party on HBO Max. Before we get to our conversation, if you're enjoying this show, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have ideas for guests you want to hear on the show or questions you want me to ask comedians, let us know in your review and they could end up in a future episode. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash laugh to rate this podcast wherever you listen. Now, let's go to my conversation with Michaela Watkins. Okay, we're on... Okay, cool. Oh. Hi. Hi, it's great to meet you this way. <laughs> oh, it's really nice to, oh, let me turn off the email dings too. Here we go. Oh yeah, that's good. And we're back. <laughs> Hi. Hi there. How are you doing? Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're talking at, at quite an intense moment in, in time, so I wanted to start by just checking in and, and seeing, uh, seeing how, how you are. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I'm terrible, but um, but I uh, I'm I'm trying to look for the light, you know. And I mm-hmm. think the light is that one of the great things right now is that I'm just sort of overwhelmed and really happy about how much how much people are really starting to <clears throat> speak out and come out and speak in. Um, you know, um, got it. I, I sound yeah. like a jumble of non-words because <laughs> I, I, before I went to bed last night, I finally, after years and years, forced myself to watch the Sandra Bland video mm. and I couldn't get to sleep until 5 a.m. It was oh, man. Um, just so devastating. And I, I suddenly feel like I just all of a sudden clicked in 
And I've always been an activist. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've always been really outspoken in this area, but something just clicked in on a cellular, cellular level, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and just don't think there's any way to un, unknow or unsee anything, you know, and going forward, that gives me hope that maybe that will be the, the generation is that they're, they're not gonna, mm-hmm. um, you know, merrily go along, uh, with a world that was never, should never have been okay with anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are struggling at this moment, um, you know, especially, you know, white allies, whether you're a celebrity or not, on how to um, how to respond, you know, in this moment. And I think there's a lot of, you know, social media stuff going on and, and people, you know, having different views on what's the right thing to do and what's yeah. not. So how do you approach that? I mean, you kind of have to decide as a as a public figure in some way, like, how am I going to show know, what I'm, what I'm doing or not, or, you know, th- those kinds of things. I think that that would be a question I would ask of people who've never written a polarizing tweet or a mm-hmm. uh, post. Yeah. That, that has never been me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know what this is like, or you, you, you've, you've been I've, there. I've already, um, yeah, dipped my toe into what the, um, the 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 response from the far right Twitter trolls and I've already like so I I'm not I'm not scared to say anything now but it's not mm-hmm. even I just feel like my job isn't really to say much to be totally honest with yeah. you I, I feel like my job right now is to amplify people mm-hmm. who are finally feeling safe enough to start speaking or people who always have been but haven't been getting the attention that they should have um, I'm just trying. To, to, to use my platform to do service to that. But I could see for people who never wanted to ruffle any feathers that all of a sudden they're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going <laughs> to put a black box up on my Instagram. Yeah. I'm doing today's the day. And yeah. um, I, uh, I guess, you know, hey, I think any support is good support, but I, I do feel like, uh, I do feel like it's my job to educate myself on how, to be a white person right now in the best, most resourceful way and not mm-hmm. somebody else's job to coddle me or hold my hand through it. If yeah. That makes sense. I want to, you know, get to all of your brilliant and funny work because this is, you know, a podcast about comedy. Mm-hmm. But first, the other thing that I did want to touch on before we get to that um, is uh, someone who we lost recently, uh, Lynn Shelton, mm. who I know is someone who you were close with. Um, so I wanted to also give you the opportunity to, to speak about her. You were in her most, her last movie, um, Sort of Trust, which I absolutely loved that movie so much. And it's mm. just a, a wonderful, wonderful film. If anyone has not seen it, um, please check it out. Um, what was, can you talk about sort of, um, what was the first time that you that you worked with her and what was your relationship like? Um, well, the first time I met her, I <clears throat> was walking on the street at Sundance and I had just seen your sister's sister, mm-hmm. her film. And I was so blown away by it. I just thought it was so incredible. It clearly felt very free from its script. Mm-hmm. I think it was a lot of improvisation. I can't imagine it wasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, that was sort of her, you know, she was in the mumblecore crowd there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, I really, 
just was so blown away. And she was walking down the street with her producer, uh, Steve Shart. And um, my husband, well, he, now he's my husband. We had just started dating. Mm -hmm. So he, it was a real baller move. He said, do you want to meet Lynn Shelton? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, do I, do I? <laughs> um, and we crossed the street and we had gone, gone over and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just such a huge fan. Your, your film is so wonderful. And she goes, well, I'm such a huge fan. And I was like, why? You know, <laughs> like, how? What would you have possibly seen? And uh, since her death, uh, there was sort of a little cabal of people that came together every night on Zoom and would talk about her. I got to know Tomo, uh, who was uh, he's a musician who was mm -hmm. also in her film, uh, Touchy Feely. And he said, I don't, he wrote me and said, I don't know if you remember this, but I met you at Sundance. <laughs> you came up to me after seeling Touchy Feel. I guess that's what it was, was after mm -hmm. Touchy Feel, not your sister's sister. I had seen that the year mm -hmm. before. And he said, and and I, and I said, oh my God, it's the girl, you know, I did this character on SNL where she said, bitch, please a lot. Yeah. And so he went home and <laughs> showed Lynn all the videos and said, this woman came up to me and said I was really good and, um, and made her watch all the videos. And I think that's why she said, that's how she I'm knew such you? a fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's like, as of so, last night. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like divine sort of a uh, confluence of, of events. But because then um, she had heard my interview with Mark Marin on WTF. And, mm. and obviously, for reasons we would later find out, she was quite interested in and just a super fan of him. Just really adored him so much. Uh, and, um, she tweeted, she tweeted at me and we started a conversation. She said, I can't believe I, I turned down coming to direct casual, which is a show oh, I was doing. Yeah. And I said, Oh, I, I really wish you would have you know, done it. And we were starting our second season and she wrote mm -hmm. me, guess who's coming in to direct <laughs> you. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm such a huge fan of that show as well. Um, and so she came on in the, in the second season, so what did she bring to the show? Because she does have such a specific style in a lot of ways. But when you yeah. she did so much TV where she kind of had to, you know, adapt to the style of that show. So how did you feel like it was working with her on, on Casual? It was a dream. Katie Asselton Duplass was guesting on mm -hmm. that um, that week. So she said, when you two met, it felt like you guys were soulmates. <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, I felt such an immediate kinship with her, her sensibility, the way that she looked at things, except that I'm not a director. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like I, I, I would have to put on such a different brain to do it. But when I see her at work, I know she's, she's working from tools that I just don't have. Um, mm -hmm. She sees the world. She's a, she's a, she was a real avid meditator. She would do TM twice a day. And I, I just think that her, her brain clicked along in a way that I've not really seen in directors because we would end every day at 4 p.m. and we would do two or three takes. And maybe because she was an editor, quite honestly, um, oh, really? first that she was like, we got it, you know? And I was like, yeah. but but what about, and don't you have to, and then we come over <laughs> and I was like, do we have enough coverage? Are yeah. we in the shot? Like, yeah. you know, she's like, we got it, we got it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and then she did this really amazing thing where I, um, in the third season when she came back, um, oh no, that was in the second season, sorry. Yeah. Uh, she, maybe it was the third. I'm sorry. Now they're all starting to gel together. <laughs> it's okay. It's um, understandable. Yeah. Uh, she, 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 um, 
she called me and said, <clears throat> we have these pretty um, crazy uh, sort of sex scenes that we're going to shoot, you know, next week. And I wanted to talk to you about them, which mm-hmm. honestly, no director has ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever done. Wow. But she didn't want to talk about like, do you want to be on top or bottom? She yeah. was like, do you, what, what do you think the feeling is coming into the, you know, she wanted mm-hmm. to talk about all the interpersonal dynamics between me and this other character and wanted to know what, what, you know, it's not just sex for sex, which a lot of TV mm-hmm. does, you know, yeah. it's just like, let's just have some sex. There's a reason it, why it's in there. Yeah. And there's a reason why it's the kind of sex that it is. Cause mm-hmm. you know, there's always, it's, it's usually the go-to throw up against a wall and I'm like, oh, the old throw, <laughs> throw them up against the wall sex, you know, and, um, to show like, there's a lot of tension, but this was more, she was, totally sexually liberated with this person. So what does that look like? And, Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't think it's like, let's just show her doing doggy style at a, Mm -hmm. you know, up, up against and knocking over a lamp. I don't think that's, you know, where we were. I don't, I think we were both on the same page immediately Mm -hmm. of, well, I, I I don't know. I never really, you know, uh, dissected a sex scene like that with anybody, any director mm-hmm. before. And um, it was so wonderful. And then on the day, <clears throat> because we'd sort of mapped out in our minds what was happening, uh, when the other actor was there, we we all sat down and talked about it privately. And, and then we just did this kind of crazy day. Um, and I was so comfortable. I was just yeah. so like, this is like we're just making art this is so beautiful this is so we're telling the story you know we're we're telling this woman's uh i'm seeing everything that's happening in this in this character this is a real turning point for her. like there was so much imbued in this these sex scenes you know mm-hmm. and um she just had that sensitivity i found out later that she actually uh you know did sex scenes in a film, in a friend's film. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I think it was with Joe Swanberg, actually. Um, and she she did it because she wanted to know uh, how to direct him. Basically, she didn't want to ask somebody mm. to do something that she wouldn't do herself, oh, wow. is what she told me. And, uh, and but we never talked about that at the yeah. time, you know? I, I But I had that confidence in her that she was someone who wasn't going to just be... Like, I, I mean, I've worked with directors who are like, and you're coming, and you're coming... <laughs> And yeah, cut, that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I was gonna ask next. Was you know, you said no other director had called you to talk about it like that. So had you yeah. had some some kind of not so great experiences in previous Listen, projects? That they were not so great. They're just sort of cold and you know technical. And I think in a way that's how some directors deal with it. Like mm. I don't want to get into the weeds with yeah. this, you know, um, because there's probably a lot of minds in here. You mm. know, I'm sure they're like, let's just keep it as dry and um, yeah. <clears throat> And her- hermetically sealed as possible. So yeah. you just get in, get out, yeah, and go on. do something else, yeah. you know. Um, but <clears throat> but she sees through the female lens, you know, mm-hmm. so much more. And uh, that just was really special. Yeah. And um, anyway, she, then she became a really suddenly quickly close friend. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, I don't know, we just had yeah. a real love for each other. And uh, I did not... You know, I was so excited when one day she just said, listen, I want to make this movie with Mark Maron and I really want to see you two together really badly. Um, Mm -hmm. Ever since you did the podcast, I've wanted to put you guys together in something. And actually, she told that to Mark and then Joe Swanberg did Easy, 
who did mm. easy uh, with Mark said, Hey, who do you want to play your, your wife in season, your ex-wife in season two? And he's like, Mark's brain was like, Oh, Michaela, uh, you know? Yeah. And then Lynn was like, what? Yeah. Like, no, I was, that was gonna, my idea. Yeah, that was my idea. But I said, look, let's just, you know, this will be a Rorschach. Like we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. It could be a disaster. And then, and then you'll know, and you will have been spared. Um, yeah. But it went so, so wonderfully. And, um, and that that shows almost all improvised too, right? Easy. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's just been it's been heartbreaking. You know, I did obviously didn't know her personally, but I loved her work so much, and it's just been so heartbreaking to you know listen to to Mark over these past couple of weeks talk about it, and you know he he mentioned that you and you mentioned that you there's been these Zoom meetings that you really kind of he called it the Zoom Shiva that you uh, put together. Um, so that must have been uh, very meaningful for him as well. Yeah, it was, um, it was sort of just on a whim. Um, and it wasn't because I'm, I'm not somebody who puts anything together. I'm not, mm. like I said, I'm not a director. I'm not a leader. Um, I just felt like during a pandemic there, her world is so big and she had so many people who loved her so much and she loved so much. I mean, she was a lover. She just loved mm -hmm. people and it wasn't lip service and like, oh my God, I love them. That, it, she yeah. genuinely did. So I just thought, how do we, how do we sort of process this shock, you know, and I'm just going to open this space and, you know, maybe we do it seven nights like a Shiva would be. She wasn't mm. Jewish, but as Mark <laughs> said, she sure did love them. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and I've never done a Shiva like all mm -hmm. seven nights, you know, I've showed up yeah. to places, brought a dish and peaced out and, mm -hmm. you know, like, or come a couple of nights and dipped in and been like, oh, this is very sad, you know, but with this, because of the pandemic, weirdly, you had, I'd say roughly around 35 people who had, there's no way all these people would have had 6.30 PM free every single night for a week, yeah. you know? So in a weird way, it, there was a real incredible beauty to the fact that we could assemble. And there there was a shift, you know, it felt mm -hmm. like from where we started emotionally to where we got to after seven nights. And it it's like you're in so much shock and so much grief. And I guess that's the point of Shiva maybe is that, you know, I don't know what my day is at, at all. I know that I have going to go do this thing at 630. And I don't even know what that's going to be. But I, I know that the only thing I have to do is report to that thing. Yeah. And there's this like concrete thing that you can do. But um, so that was pretty cool. But like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a planner. All I did was open a Zoom room. Everybody mm -hmm. else um, kind of took a leap of faith and showed up and shared. And, and it, it was nice. There was a nice shift over the week. But, and then the world like, kind of blew up after that. So it's yeah. like you start to be able to be like, okay, I think I can walk again. And then, you know, um, and then just this trifecta of, you know, well, I guess Armand had already happened, but Amy yeah. Cooper and then George Floyd. And, and now here we are and mm -hmm. um, just in a grief explosion yeah, and an anger explosion. And I get all of it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, it must, it, it's, it's so odd too, that it's happening in this, uh, you know, pandemic time because it's, you know, people aren't wor working for the most part and, you know, in, in show business and what you're, you know, not 
it's not like you're having to go to a set every day like you probably would be in another situation. I mean, it's so double-edged. Like if Lynn died and I had to go report to set, I, I, I mean, it would have been my best acting yet, you know? Yeah. And, and I've been in situations where I'm in mm-hmm. incredible grief and then, and then, you know, they say action and it's almost like you get to take a little vacation from it mm-hmm. for a moment. Um, and there was no vacation from it. Um, at mm-hmm. all. And so I think the same thing with the protests is I don't think there would be this level of protest if there wasn't a pandemic because nobody would have had to sit with the actual feelings mm-hmm. that a man was murdered in cold blood in front of so many people looking on, including his, you know, this cop's fellow compatriots, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, uh, they it just the, the stark reality and having, you know, just weeks before, sorry, I'm just, but the weeks no, before no. seeing these people protesting with AK-47s inside a mm-hmm. courthouse, you know, because um, they didn't want to wear a mask. I just, <laughs> I think everybody just is really just seeing everything splayed out in front of them in the most stark real terms and have to sit with the feelings they, they, they you know, they we're not like functioning in the same way we used to. And yeah, there are no distractions uh, like there would be in any other situation that would prevent this from becoming so big. Sure. I mean, yes, some people are in fact going to jobs and work. And a yeah. lot of people are working from home though and looking at their computers and looking at these images all day. Coming up, Michaela opens up about landing her dream job as a cast member on SNL and how she found out she wouldn't be coming back for a second season. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I think your career is so fascinating and you've been in, you know, everything and it's mm-hmm. just, it's been, it's been so interesting to watch, um, from afar, but going back to sort of the beginning, um, you, and this kind of connects to the the improv that you've done in these more recent projects is you, you started out uh, pretty early on in the, in the groundlings, right? Yeah. In LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how did that, um, how did you decide that that was something that you, that you wanted to do and, and what did you get out of that experience? Well, it's funny you say started out, but I'm trying to think like I, I did theater. I did like a class. I did the classically trained theater track. And mm-hmm. then, and then I was doing like regional theater before for five years before I moved to LA after college. And, um, I really, uh, I liked it. I loved it. You know, I loved learning how to act. I mm-hmm. would say that's where I learned how to act was actually finally doing it after being told everything I was doing was terrible in college. And it was, I was not great, but, um, but, but then, uh, I, I remember sitting backstage and I think it was winter's tale in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I was looking around at the cast and there were like 
15 dudes and four women. And like, it was just another production where I'm sitting backstage for a while waiting for myself to, you know, enter and be like, what news? (laughs) (laughs) And then go and sit backstage and clown around with the other actors for another 30 minutes until Mm -hmm. curtain. And I, I I realized I'm like, this is so stupid. You know, (laughs) I picked this career where there's like 12 roles for dudes, Mm -hmm. four roles for women of the women. Like one is an incredible role. Yeah. I'm not getting it. Mm -hmm. The two that are fine, serviceable and one that's like, yeah, so thankless. And I just thought I'm fucking out of here. I'm going to go be on a sitcom. Like I love to make people laugh at the time. I was also, I joined this improv group where I would, I would single-handedly like go out and do a character that would get a laugh and then crater the whole scene because I had no (laughs) idea how to do improv. So, you know, it's like I had some chops, I, I, you know, I knew mm-hmm. how to do character work and all that, but yes, ending was totally yeah. beyond me. And, um, anyway, so I, but I, but, but I, I loved comedy. I knew how to make people laugh. Let's just say that. And I, um, so I'm going to go be on a sitcom and everybody looked at me, you know, like, how dare you? Yeah. And, uh, and so then I moved to LA and then I immediately heard about the groundlings and was like, I'm all in. I really joined it because I wanted to learn how to write for myself because that was one of the levels of Groundlings where the first two levels are improv and then you get to write for your own characters. And I thought, well, that would be amazing because then Mm -hmm. I'm a a little bit in control of my life (laughs) if I can write. (laughs) That was appealing. Yeah. And um, so, uh, but then I got in the company and, uh, and I... I got SNL, like I, I started teaching at the Groundlings. I mm-hmm. taught a few classes and it was funny, like people who are stand-up comedians are the hardest to teach improv to, which is yeah. well, not, not improv per se, but um, they, they work so hard at, at honing this persona that they do. And it's very hard. I've noticed with a lot of students to step out of that persona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't say all stand-ups, but a lot who have like a really strong stand-up persona. Yeah. Um, and I had said to all the students one night, I said, look, you know, don't take improv because you think you're going to get on SNL. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody gets on SNL. I mean, yes, you can name a handful of growlings, but thousands of students come through mm-hmm. here and, you know, be here because you really want to learn improv. If you think that way, it's, you know, you're, you're missing all the little micro lessons that come along with being in the school and, and, and it's going to serve you no matter what you do. If you become a writer or actor or whatever, it's, these are all going to serve you. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I got <laughs> SNL and I had to call my friend and be like, can you teach my class? Um, and he had to go in there and be like, and oh, like well, she was lying. She got SNL. And, yeah. and, and I'm like, when I got it, I had to fly out. Mm-hmm. I found out at 9 PM and I was on a 5 AM flight. So oh it wasn't God. like I had any, yeah. It was hours. What did that <laughs> right. what did that opportunity mean to you at that at that time? Everything. I mean, it was I was floored. I really I think I was like brought to my knees and just cried. I was 36. I was about to turn 37. Like it's unheard of. Like mm-hmm. you know, women my age do not get on SNL, you know. Yeah. And um it I don't think they knew how old I was, but I <laughs> Oh, really? And I probably shouldn't have told them. Um but I I just was floored. And it was such a 
crash landing into mm-hmm. into it because they had already started the season. I oh, literally yeah. walked off the plane, got to the you know airport, whatever, in a car, and then dropped off and sat down in, in a table read. Wow! And I had like Will Forte to my right, Andy, Andy oh, my Samberg God. to my left, a stack of scripts in front of me, and I hadn't slept because <laughs> I had to go move to New York the night before. Oh, um, my God. And I. I was out of my mind. I just sat there. I was like, what the fuck happened? (laughs) (laughs) Like I hadn't even told anybody. Yeah. Because it was. Did it not um, feel real yet before until you got there? No, no. I I mean, and it was, and they, and they take you through the paces, you know, you Mm -hmm. go, we got a face for wigs. And now we got to do prosthetic thing for your face in case we do prosthetic and do a mold of your face. And then, um, oh, hey, you're going to be in this sketch. It's a, we're going to, uh, it's a, it, we're going to shoot it as a commercial, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, we need to go get you fitted for that. And then, and I just was like, I'm so very, very hungry and <laughs> 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 tired. And then, and then Seth Myers walked up to me and at the time he was head writer and he's like, hey, remember how you did Ariana Huffington in the audition? And I said, um, yes, I remember that. <laughs> he said, do you want to do her on an update this week? And I was like. This is week one. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like what I did as Ariana Huffington didn't, wouldn't really translate into update. But I was like, okay. And he's like, I don't really have a take on it. I was like, yeah, I don't really either. And he's like, yeah, just, you know, have something, you know, meet me with a couple of writers like Colin Jost. And um, yeah. and, and he goes just, and, 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 um, and, and just like, yeah. You bring something over, you know, uh, tonight. And I was like, tonight? So very, very tired. Um, (laughs) uh, But I was like, great. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. And I went to go meet Colin and we sat in his office. And he's like, so where'd you fly in from? And I'm like, it's now 1 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) I have not. I've been up for two days. (laughs) I'm supposed to write a comedy piece right now with with you. So, yeah, so it was. Did that get was, on the show that first week? Um, we did it in the dress rehearsal and then they bumped. Um, they said, we're just going to do it next week because uh, because we're running long. But yeah. but, um, but it got so in I the next it, week. I did it my second week. Yeah. President Bush this week said he will do all he can to help Barack Obama with his transition into the White House. Here to comment political pundit and creator of The Huffington Post, Ariana Huffington. I'm Ariana Huffington. You know, this George Bush has done it again. He says he wants to help Barack Obama with his transition. Listen, George, you have done enough. Don't do anything else. Don't. Don't even water a plant. So I take it you're not a huge fan of George Bush. Oh, listen, Seth, please. It's like this country was a brand new BMW and George Bush smashed it into a tree. And now he's tossing the keys to Barack Obama and he says, enjoy, it's all yours, you know. Did it ever get easier while you were there, um, you know, from that breakneck case <laughs> from the beginning? Honestly, I don't, I don't think it did. Yeah, that's I the like feeling to... that I get from everyone that I talk to, you know. <laughs> Is that just, it doesn't ever get easier, no matter how long you're there. Yeah, I feel like um, I it was a marathon, but but the week I got there, they cut they like cut my Achilles. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? They're like, mm-hmm. okay, start running. You know what I yeah. mean? But they're like, um, like it wasn't. I don't feel like I came in 
into a soft landing at all. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had no place to live either. That was, I mean, there was, I had two cats, like yeah. there was things to be handled mm-hmm. and uh, there was just no time to breathe. And uh, plus all the adrenaline and, mm-hmm. uh, and it was my, it was a break, you know, I thought it was yeah. just a big break. And, um, and then also, I mean, when you don't get to 36, 37 without just having, you know, eat, slept and breathed SNL most of your life. And so I would just walk down the halls and just like, just at night when it was really quiet, you know, and just look at the pictures of Gilda Radner and everything and just be like, I can't, I can't believe this, you know? So there were those quiet moments that Mm -hmm. were really lovely. Um, But (laughs) yeah, I think it was... um, I thought that I thought that it was going well. I thought like we were having. Yeah. I thought we were all having a good time, and uh, but then they didn't renew my contract the next year. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, I was delusional. But I do know that I checked in with my body at one point because I had gone back to LA over the summer to shoot a film and came back to New York, and I was like, oh, I mean, I think it's going to be really great. <clears throat> Not being the new girl, I think it'll be so yeah. fun to be, uh, like there will be new people coming in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I won't be the new girl and, um, and I'll have a little more understanding of how things work around here. And cause nobody tells you anything. Yeah. And, uh, and that'll be so nice. And maybe I should start to think about like some characters I might want to do. And, mm-hmm. and I was lying in bed and my shoulders were up to my ear. Oh. Like the tension in my body was yeah. so big. And I was like, Whoa. And I think in retrospect, I realized that, it was really, you know, I really wanted to go back. I really wanted to do like, I would have been very happy if they had me for three seasons. I felt mm-hmm. like that would have been a really nice time there, but they had me for one. And then, yeah. and then they had me no more. <laughs> How did you find out that you, that you weren't coming back? Was that, cause sometimes I feel like I've heard stories that they, they don't actually tell you or it's very odd the way it kind of plays out. Um, it, it, it does play out rather cruelly, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, it played out in the way of like, everybody was presented with contracts except for two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and then, um, I was like, and I didn't know until Casey Wilson had called me and she said, did you get renewed? And I was like, no, yeah, I was like cleaning my kitchen. Yeah. And uh, she's like, me neither. And I was like, oh, well, I don't think they're doing that for a while, are they? I mean, I mean, I heard it was going to happen in, you know, in like two mm-hmm. weeks, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, yeah. no, everybody no. was renewed yeah. today. And I was like, let me call you right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my manager called me and said, I just talked to them. They said, they, they're like, of course, we love Michaela. There's no way we're not having her back. Really? Yes. Do you think and they really told him that or was that sort of BS? She doesn't, that, yeah. she, you know, she's a, my manager's a really sweet person, yeah. but she's not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so and, bizarre. you know, she's not a liar, uh, yeah. but, but, uh, she's given me bad news plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so I was like, okay. And she's like, it's just strange because it's just mm-hmm. not nice. It's very rude. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's a little rude. It's like, mm-hmm. um, I just want to say I love everybody but two of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then it was weeks, actually, until they finally told me no. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they had just hired Jenny Slade and Nassim 
to the cast uh, mm-hmm. the day before. And then the next day I got the call that I was um, not going anywhere. And I was told, you know, very nice things, very flattering, nice. Mm-hmm. It was a nice, it was a nice, like, thank you. We're done here, but here's mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a diatribe of all the ways we think you're wonderful. So there was that. Um, but uh, it, it, it was like crazy. <laughs> yeah. How do you think about it now? I mean, I'm sure at the time it's like so consuming and devastating in some ways, but do you think about it differently now? Oh, very much. You know, um, I definitely, the show had really been at that time about pop culture and doing these like sort of pop in crazy pop culture references. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get 90% of them because <laughs> I, I'm more, I skew more like pop political than mm-hmm. pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, that's, I don't know, maybe in retrospect, if I was necessarily going to be the best match for what they were doing then. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I would have been a good match um, for the years before. Like, I, 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 you know, when Kristen Wiig really got Mm -hmm. to, like, thrive and do her, you know, insane characters, like, I would have really, I think that would have been more my heyday. But it kind of went into this other direction for a little while. And and also, um, you know, it was a real humbling moment that I think personally was a huge growth for me. It forced mm-hmm. me to do um, a lot of uncomfortable, to sit with a lot of uncomfortable feelings and sadness and rejection and, and think about how I wanted to shape my life going forward. You know, I just knew I did not want to be the girl who was fired from SNL as my headline, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I want to, I want to, talk through sort of a a speed round of some of your other roles that you've done just because there's so many of them. Mm. But um, one other thing I want to touch on before that is uh, Search Party, which is about to come out. And I just binged the uh, all 10 episodes uh, over the last few days. Oh, you did? I I love that show. Isn't the season so good? It's so good. I I love this show so much. Um, I love this show. Were you a, were you a, so you came in through the third season. So were you a fan of the show before you uh, Weirdly, super duper duper weirdly, um, I had my husband and I binged um, two seasons in three days. Mm-hmm. We we started watching it, and then it's all of like, a sudden, yeah, I was you like, can't stop, right? I mean, that's my, my experience like, with it. This is the most brilliant, <laughs> hilarious, sardonic, funny, edgy, special. It's just so yeah. good. I was like, yeah. this show is yeah genius, <laughs> and um, and we. We inhaled it in mm-hmm. three days, two seasons. And then I got an email from Michael Showalter like three days later. And he said, hey, I work on this sh- show. You know, I produce a show, Search Party. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And I was like, <laughs> uh. uh. And he's like, we've got this kind of hefty like little um, character that would come on for, you know, season three. And, and we, we really love you to do it. Um, I understand if you don't want, and I was like, where, where's the reply button? Yeah. Fuck. Yes. Like, fuck. I don't even care what, don't even tell me what the character is. I don't even care. I was like, I would, I would get you guys coffee for the whole season while you were shooting just to see how the mechanics of Mm -hmm. it, because it's so good. Well, I don't. I don't definitely don't want to give away anything really about the third season because this will probably come out before that comes out. Um, but I, I think we can say that you play a, a, a prosecutor who has some like 
Marsha Clark vibes going on, which I, I quite enjoyed. Um, so yeah, I mean, is there anything that you can talk about in terms of what it was like to, to work on that show in terms of the style of it or kind of coming into that show that already existed? It's always interesting. I could imagine to have a show that you watched and liked, and then all of a sudden be in it. Yeah. I was, um, a super fan of the show and then I went to work and I was like, uh, you know, the crazy neighbor, uh, with the twin in the yeah, second a- season. April, you know. I think. Yeah. April. Yeah. I like, I saw her at crafty and I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> And I just walk around being so yeah. like, oh, I mean, generally, uh, um, uh, unbelievable. What's her name? Um, Meredith Hagner. Meredith. Meredith. She's, oh my God. The two of them are just kill me. And the boyfriend of generally's boyfriend, yeah. like I'm forgive me cause I'm shitty with names, but I, um, will never, ever, ever forget a face. And when I saw <laughs> these faces I was like oh, it's yeah. you oh my god <laughs> and um and the creators are just um are just incredible and they direct all the episodes mm-hmm. Charles Rogers Sarah Violet Bliss they write all the episodes with with a, a small writer's room and they direct all the episodes and they are so sharp and so funny and so chill and so capable and mm-hmm. so young and yeah. it's so infuriating. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, how dare you guys I'm be sure. this on top of this? And um, but this this third season, I I also watched the whole third season, the whole season. I mean, the characters. There are some characters that come in for just one line yeah. that I just spit water out all over the living room because oh, I, man. and I just like they just get they, they ring that bell so perfectly, like mm-hmm. where it needs to be rung to get the yeah. best pitch. I don't know how they. Figured that so out. good. This is a question that I end up asking everyone who's on this show because everyone has been on this show is um, Curb Your Enthusiasm was something that you did relatively early on in your mm-hmm. uh, in your career. What was that experience like working on that show? Oh, really fun. I, uh, I, 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 my favorite like sort of feather in my cap is I could make Larry David crack up a lot <laughs> and um, and break. And that that's a skill. Be, well, I just was like, I don't have to do anything else <laughs> ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a skill. He might break all the time for everybody <laughs> easily, but when he does, it's so satisfying because he's mm-hmm. such a cantankerous coot. And yeah. then you just see him just start laughing. You're like, ah, gotcha. Ha <laughs> 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 Okay. This is the dog. This is the dog that's been going on my lawn. No bag? Well... Where's your bag? You know, life, it gets so crazy sometimes. Oh, life gets crazy? Yeah. If you're going to have a dog, you have to have a bag. I will bring a bag. I didn't bring a bag today. I'm really because sorry about that. Because the dog without the bag, it's incomplete. The it's dog? a marriage. The bag and the dog. They go together. Just don't see why you had to yell at me. I'm yelling for society, for everybody. It's not just me. Got it. People make mistakes. Every day? Let's go. Come so I imagine that uh, Michael Showalter uh, knew you from working with you on uh, the Wet Hot American Summer um, oh, yeah. series. Right. So what was it like? That's another sort of going into a, an existing world. Were you a fan of that uh, movie? Oh. And then oh and God, what was it movie, like to sort of I, to go into that world? I was in the cult of that movie. Yeah. There was probably a year, maybe around like 2001 or two or something like that, where every single person who came over to my apartment, I would make watch that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was... Huge, huge, huge fan of that. Mm. Um, and so 
again when I was asked. That was another like pinch myself moment. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of good pinch myself moments. So <laughs> uh, I hope that continues. I hope I, yeah. I hope I get to work again. <laughs> um, yeah. I hope we get to make stuff again. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, have you heard anything? Do you feel like you know, like that things are starting to, to start I up mean, anywhere? Or? My, the show I'm on now is called The Unicorn mm -hmm. and um, it's a CBS half hour and uh, a total, totally not what I thought I was going to be mm -hmm. actually doing right now. It's kind of weird how that sort of came into the next thing, but I'm so God, goddamn grateful that it did. Yeah. Um, it got picked up for its second season and I um, have literally no idea when I'm going back to work, if we're going back to work. Um, I, I don't know what, I don't know what needs to happen in order to bring people back to work safely. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody does. I, I, I like to think that they're all in a, like, a, a bunker drinking <laughs> spa water, deciding, yeah, deciding what we're, we're all going to do and like eating cucumber sandwiches being like, well, what if we tested everybody mm -hmm. on the way in? Yeah. We'll just get like a wall that people can lick and it'll just tell them if they have it or not. Yeah. I get the feeling <laughs> that there's going to be a lot of animated shows coming out in the next year. Yeah. Cause those because those are fast the, to make. Well, <laughs> well, not that they're fast, but maybe or in the next couple of years because people are, are still making them right now. Yeah. Oh, that's and true. And people are recording their, their voices from home and, and doing all that kind of We're stuff. We're just going to so. forget what other people look like in yeah. real life pretty soon. Or every show will just be on <laughs> Zoom, which will not be great. Oh, God. Can you believe it? Like, Dan, we're breaking up. And it's like <laughs> you and me and these <laughs> next yeah. week on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a depressing thought. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. We're breaking up. It's just you didn't wear a mask when you met my parents. <laughs> Um, so I want to end, uh, this way. I ask all my guests, um, who is a, uh, comedian or funny person who you've worked with that has made you laugh the hardest, um, could be on set or, um, mm -hmm. you know, watching them do something or, or who, when you, when you think of someone who, who makes you laugh really, really hard, who comes to mind? Um, I laugh a lot at work. I mean, I laugh. <laughs> I laugh my face off. I, I, I have to name more than one. Yeah. But um, I, Rob Corddry and I play opposite each other in a lot of stuff, actually. Yeah. And um, he just kills me. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the first person that came to mind was uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I mm. think. is. Uh, I used to recur on her show, uh, old, New Adventures of Old Christine, and I just would just watch her in awe and be like, Gosh, she is like so charming. But I think like on the day to day, go to work and have somebody who just like just destroys you every single day. Um, it's Tommy Dewey who played my brother on mm -hmm. uh, Casual, and yeah. out of the gate we were freaking frack. I mean, we were just gangbusters. He he just gets my sense of humor and yeah. I just get his, and we would just riff and riff and riff and riff and get yelled at because we were having you know fucking around too long mm. and we're like come on and uh <laughs> it was it was definitely the most joyous time i've ever had on set i just we just laughed we just laughed we laughed so much to the degree that when we had to do the finale episode mm -hmm. um which was a real tearjerker because we were so yeah. 
devastated that we this was the we knew it was the finale. Mm. We knew it was our last season yeah. that we were that was going to be it. And these characters are saying goodbye and to each other. And um, they had such a journey over the year. But also Tommy and I had had such a journey over mm-hmm. that time. And um, it was a dream job. And we were crying so hard. And then we started to kind of lose it. Like I felt like we were sort of disconnected. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Tommy, come over here. And we sat down on the couch and we started, instead of trying to attack the scene for like all the emotionality, we started talking about other things. And we mm-hmm. started laughing and then we were, got each other going. And it was, you know, we do these live <laughs> voices with each other. It was very, and, and, we, and we really got each other going laughing so hard. And then when we went to go take another stab at the scene, it was so emotional because we're like, we really love each other. Yeah. We're just, we are like brother, sister all the I way. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this and um, you know taking the time. And I hope that you uh, hope that you get back to work soon, because um, I just love watching you and everything that you do. So, um, oh. good luck to you and stay safe and stay thank well. Thank you. Thanks so much for asking me to do this. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Nice thank you. Thank you for doing you. it. Thank yeah. you. All right. Okay. Hope to talk to you again there. soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Stay healthy. Bye bye. Thank you so much to Michaela Watkins for talking to me for this week's show. You can check out the Hysteria podcast from Crooked Media, where she's a rotating co-host, and all 10 episodes of Search Party Season 3 will be streaming on HBO Max starting Thursday, June 25th. If you like this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Red Rock Music. Our theme music is by Claude, you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.